last week on the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. Which was a 1970 uh, Western starring Chuck Connors. Not so, Mike Connors. Right. Yep. Chuck not, Connors. Not Chuck. <laughs> who's, the, who's the Kung Fu guy who was Walker, Texas Ranger? Oh, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and not Chuck Mangione. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many other Chucks can, how many Chucks could a woodchuck? <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, if the woodchuck could Chuck. Yeah. Uh, that also starred Cloris Leachman. Phyllis. Phyllis, yep, and Sybil Shepherd. Sybil. <laughs> yeah. How many days are in the week? Um, there's seven, as I recall. Well, not according to this, this artist known as The Eighth Day. Yeah. And they're doing, you gotta, you gotta... You, oh my gosh! You got to crawl before you walk. I yes. gotta, I gotta learn how to read before I talk. <laughs> I thought WPLO was based in Palestine. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Movies anymore? <laughs> Can't sing, but he can still carry his guitar. Oh no, that's Jeff Bridges. Don't get them mixed up. The bricks you dip in the gold, and the gold you dip in the red paint. When this first came on, I'm like. Boy, this reminds me of that song, Wan Ads. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And I'm like, hmm, that's because it's by the same group. <laughs> and it was a big deal. And Mr. Carlton finally put his foot down and told his mother, I'm going to play this song. I'm going to let Johnny Fever play or whatever. And that's when WKRP turned into MASH. And it was Billy Don't Be a Hero. Okay. And that song was in my brain at work all day. <laughs> oh, God. You poor, okay? you poor all right. guy. Old Bo Donaldson and the what you call it. <laughs> so thank you, Brian, if you are continuing to listen. After it gets hit by Sandra Bullock's bus or Gene Hackman's car. Yeah. <laughs> and what's the name of the artist? It's The Free Movement. Yeah. You know, when you get to be our age, that's important. This was I their... can hear this as a Metamucil commercial. <laughs> yeah. So this was their only top 40 hit. Uh, uh, they had one other top 100 hit with The Harder I Try, The Bluer I Get. <laughs> Ain't No Sunshine by Bill Withers. So this is the song that made you ask, is the record skipping? This was released... Skipping. not skipping anymore but this song he's not really happy but it's done so well and i love the skipping yeah <laughs> gives you that lp feel even if you're playing a cd or an mp3 <laughs> i think my problem with it is donnie sounds so young singing it that like it doesn't fit or something you know <laughs> he's saying go go away little girl it's like how young is she compared to you?
Hello again, and welcome to the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, a show where two friends review a randomly chosen American Top 40 episode from the 1970s, the most interesting decade in pop music. My name is Mark Robeck, and with me is my friend and co-host, Peter Gardo. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Hey, Mark. Well, it's that time of year. Halloween will be coming out the Monday after this is released, if all goes well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got a notification on the magic device that uh we're gonna have a frost tonight yeah so i'm gonna after we're done with this i'm gonna go and try and uh, uh cover the some plants to save uh save them for a little little another few days and uh i don't know it's a nice time here in new england yeah yeah it's funny the weather yesterday was uh got quite warm and humid but uh today's yet back to a uh, to a more normal fall day. Nice yeah. though. Yeah. Nice out there. So, so you worked in the same wing of the plant that I did, not as long as I did, because you came up from the other facility. Yeah. But you know how it gets on these, on those, those days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the only part of the building and, and the corporation used, used to own a air conditioning company <laughs> and you'd think they'd figure out how to properly do the uh, temperature control. And the company also makes uh, air systems for jet airliners. Yeah. And um and so yesterday it was about 80 degrees and it was humid. Uh, and yeah. not only that, on top of that, it smelled as though something died in one of the refrigerators <laughs> over near the microwave in the coffee station. Something inside has died and I can't hide and I just can't fake it. Oh, and it was terrible. All right, because it's not that far from you know, we're yeah. where I hang out. Yeah. And I'm yeah. walking by there and two associates are are near the water bubbler talking. <laughs> I says, This is what don't what do you guys got? The COVID? Yeah. <laughs> you can't smell anything. <laughs> Get away. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. And they walked away. It was so I didn't go in today because of that. And and uh, Father uh, Father Santucci uh, <laughs> told me today on the telephone, it still smells. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so I got to go back in tomorrow. Uh, I don't I don't miss that. And I remember that vividly how the, the temperature just it would lag like several days behind what it was doing outside. <laughs> I, I also brought up the story how uh, Irwin came in with shorts and Birkenstocks on, and he had the nastiest toenails in the world. <laughs> yes, yeah, I remember that story. Because he sat next to you. <laughs> I don't think. Are I... his glasses still there? <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. So how, how, how have you been? How's your week been? Uh, good. Yeah. So I I was uh, out in uh, Austin, Texas, uh, visiting my sister, and I went to the. Uh, Formula One race. It was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks to my sister's husband, uh, Doug Warner, for getting the event passes. We were actually in like this uh, hospitality tent, I guess, if you will. It was really, really cool, really fun. They had a couple musical acts at the end of the Friday and Saturday. They had Ed Sheeran and also Green Day. We didn't see Green Day. We walked over to the the concert area where Ed Sheeran was, but it was packed. We were <laughs> we were seemed like we were a mile away. 
and uh, we 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 left kind of early. But uh, and from where we were, it sounded like crap. But then when we left, where we parked was kind of behind the stage, and it sounded good from back there. <laughs> okay. And uh, one other item that uh, I don't know, maybe I'll post this on our twitter or something maybe not but um you're sitting in the hospitality tent there uh, you know between i think it was on the practice day or whatever so between stuff going on in the track and all of a sudden i turn around and there's a bunch of these like costumed ladies walking by me and it was the dallas cowboy cheerleaders and so i got a oh, I got wow a, i got a picture of me with them and uh, so did uh my cohorts uh, who were there with me, uh, BB and Cameron, and uh, and and also Doug. So so that was that was pretty funny. And uh, wow, yeah, so you got that and Bernie Williams, and you know when when OJ walked by last February, <laughs> he, he was really quick. Even yeah. though he's an old dude with bad knees, I couldn't get a, a picture with him. So that's that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you want to see the movie, The Dallas Cowboys Cheerleaders? I, I did. I think wasn't uh, Jane Seymour the star of that one and uh they had I, that. I don't know was it was jane kennedy in it jane kennedy's birthday is in the paper today ah. 71 years old ah okay yeah she used to be on the the cbs nfl right today yeah. and uh I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you you had something uh what was i gonna say uh oh just the yeah that movie the dallas cowboy cheerleaders i also remember that song in it you know if they could see me now <laughs> at the end <laughs> Yeah, I think you should put that on the Twitter machine. Why not? You know? All right. Yeah, yeah. They're from the 70s. You know? Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, 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 for sure. So yeah. so um, one, one thing that's new is I have a, a new microphone. So I've it, it's actually, there's the box. It's somewhere around here. So it's a podcast microphone. So I, I if you look at me, I, I'll look semi-professional. Yeah, yeah, see that you got this helps. You got real headphones on, and uh, mm -hmm. you got a, a Rory Gallagher shirt too, which I'm <laughs> really impressed with. Call you the check shirt wizard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. So anyway, yeah, yeah. As you can tell, Pete and I have been friends for a long time, three plus years. We met in college, and then ended up working together for a long time. Sometimes in a very uncomfortable environment, <laughs> as you talked about, <laughs> between the you know the climate and or the visuals, <laughs> but, uh, or the smell, yeah, the smell. So uh, in each episode, we'll review all forty songs in the chosen week's countdown and provide some factual information on each song, as well as our personal opinions, stories, and comments related to it. At the end of the episode, we'll provide our individual choices for the best and worst song, a song that we think will torture the other guy that we've labeled the agonizer. And we'll give our individual A plus through F grade for the entire countdown. Since nobody has the exact same tastes in music, our opinions on individual songs may be controversial, but we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light, humorous, and hopefully entertaining. And remember, this is just a discussion, not a competition. So please, no wagering. All right. Well, today is episode 26 of the 70s weekly countdown with mark and pete american top 40 from the week of october 29th 1977 that's 45 years ago and the yeah. other interesting thing is the calendar 
as I'm showing you all here, the date book, all right, is exactly the same. Ah. So the 29th is actually a Saturday this year. Yeah. Oh, and I, I so just it lines up. Just briefly, I forgot to mention since I was away for a week, you know, I went and picked up my mail when I uh, when I arrived back here, and I had two postcards from the edge. I had postcard from Pete from uh, Brownville, Maine. It's a picture of Brownville, Maine in the fall. And just says, Mark, looking forward to listening to episode 24 on the Ride Home Sunday. So this was dated the uh, 14th of October. And you said the golfing yesterday was, quote, good. And then... We talked about that last week. Yeah. <laughs> if good is a 59, then... <laughs> yeah. And then I got another one here that's dated the 23rd, uh, just a few days ago. And it says, uh, Mark, hope you had a nice trip to Texas. Here's a snapshot of this week's date book. And it's, yeah, it's a picture of the date book. And I see October 1977 on it. So The, uh, the title of this week's episode is Help is on the Way, Send in the Clouds. That reminds me of work, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this was we already uh, talked about the date book that that i, I sent yeah you i screwed you up that way so uh but but so speaking of the date book uh do you know what you were doing around uh late october 1977 absolutely so a month into uh seventh grade uh at the new junior high school out of elementary school and on this actual day date book says soccer and then it's a uh, reunion for my father. Uh, so he was a very good alumnus of his college. And so it would have been his 21st college reunion. And there was a oh. football game up there, you know, Division three type of stuff. Where, where did he go? To college? He went to Union College in ah. Schenectady. Okay. Yeah, I think you mentioned that before. I just I forgot. Yeah. Well, that's where The Way We Were was uh, filmed. That's right. Yeah, you did say that. And uh, and then we were on to my uh, my uh, mother's sister out near Utica, Quinns. We were there for a couple days uh, or uh, an overnight. Uh, we probably drove back on the 30th. And so it was, so let's see, my oldest sister was at Union at the time. So she would have been a sophomore. Um, and so that's one of the reasons we went up there. So uh, you know, it's a family, kind of a family affair. And uh, I don't know if uh, the sister number two went, because later on, on Wednesday, she went to RPI for an interview, which mm. is, you know, out in Rochester. She did not end up going there. But um, so at my uh, aunt's house, uh, there were four children there, uh, like our family, and uh, and two dogs. And it was, it was interesting, because we didn't have dogs growing up and dealing with these dogs and we've got dogs here now, mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. is, <laughs> which is, which is fun. Yeah. So my father weighed in at 202 pounds on the, on the next day. And mm -hmm. on the previous day, the 28th, uh, my father was on the Boy Scout uh, committee and he went to uh, uh, the house of Timmy Goebel because the, uh, the committee was meeting there. And uh, you know, it, it's good that you're involved in, in your, kids organizations like that yeah without having to be the scoutmaster because that's a lot of work <laughs> yeah so so anything up with you in the eighth grade um you know 
Not not a lot that I can specifically remember. I certainly, you know, going through this uh, the countdown, I certainly remember most of the songs in the chart and 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 some of the news and news items and TV we'll get into. So we'll uh, we'll we'll just I think move on to that. <laughs> okay. All right. So what what was uh, going on uh, in the news? If you picked up the uh, the morning newspaper. Yeah, so this, you know, October is is World Series time. So on October 14th, Linda Ronstadt sings the national anthem prior to the World Series Game 3 at Dodger Stadium. And she was criticized for her casual attire. But subsequently, a ranking in the Washington Examiner said that this was the second best rendition ever at a sporting event of the song. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes to that list. The number one is I, number one Marvin Gaye. Um, it is not. I believe Marvin oh, really? Marvin Gaye is number three. The number one, I think you'd guess, because it was a big. Oh, deal. oh, it's what's her name at the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, she's not no longer with us. Uh, yeah. Whitney Houston. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, not surprisingly, but I, I also, I didn't get a chance but i'll see if i can find uh if there is a uh, a recording of uh linda ronstadt's version well i think she wore if i remember because i probably saw it yeah wasn't she wearing a dodgers uniform she wore like one of those the sort of satin warm-up jackets and and i don't know if she had shorts on but from what i read you know that she later had that album cover where she was on the roller skates oh, on the roller skates and yeah, back in a, the usa yeah, yeah and she had a similar um outfit on which i guess i don't know was whether that had to do whether it be you know because she was tweaked for wearing that outfit or or whatever but uh, well i'm sure she did, did a better job than roseanne yeah <laughs> yeah you know four days later on october 18th during the world series reggie jackson hits three consecutive home runs tying babe Ruth's world series record and the, the yankees beat the dodgers eight to four to clinch the world series winning uh four games to two and the mvp went to reggie jackson that's why they called him mr october that's yeah right. and and he's not the straw he's the drink what was that quote <laughs> you know stirs the drink or something something like that yeah yeah i don't yeah. remember i mean Re- reggie jackson wow what, yeah. a, what a great ball player and and of course he was great in the naked gun movies <laughs> yeah yeah and then um he had this remember he had the reggie uh candy bar too also oh, yeah. kind of following babe ruth a little bit of tragedy on the 20th yeah. So, uh, yeah, a plane chartered by rock band Leonard Skinner runs out of fuel and crashes in a wooded area near Gillsburg, Mississippi. Six people are killed, including band members Ronnie Van Zant, Steve Gaines, and Cassie Gaines, and the road manager Dean Kilpatrick. Quite a sad event in the music world, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, anything with tech? Um, yeah, you know, the, a few things. Uh, we've mentioned this aircraft before, but uh, on October 19th, the uh, supersonic Concorde jet made its first landing in New York City. And then did, uh, did I ever did I ever tell you I was we played, uh, you know, beer softball in the 80s and early 90s out in the town that I grew up in. 
Uh-huh. And I we were I was going to actually the same junior high school that I was at to play softball probably in 1990 or so. Mm-hmm. And the, the the Concord was gliding into uh, the local international airport where we're near and was landing because there were thunderstorms at JFK. Oh yeah. So I've actually seen it I've seen it fly now. And I think I woke up the next morning when it took off because <laughs> it came right over the house. <laughs> it's funny. I wonder if that was the same flight. I remember one of the guys from um, Monty Python, Michael Palin, said he was taking the Concord over and they couldn't land because uh, in, in New York because of the weather. And he said, oh, it landed. They, I don't know. They couldn't take off again or something. I think they had to stay overnight. And they stayed. And he goes, I stayed in a little town called Enfield. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, maybe home, could... home of our buddy uh, uh, Ken. Yeah. Ken lives in Enfield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's... And Paul. Doesn't Paul live in Enfield? Paul does too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of people do. Yeah. Especially ones Greg. we worked with, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'm, I could, I could. Let's let's play that game. Yeah, no, let's not. <laughs> so, so uh, another colleague of ours, Drew, I I let him into the this podcast, and, and, and I recommended he listen to uh, episode nineteen, which is what your sister said was the tour de force. Uh, uh, he lives he lives in the town you live in. He says he says you guys talk so this is going to go as long as that did you know yeah. you didn't even get to the countdown by the time i got home but yeah he, you know he, <laughs> but he cracked up he, he loved hearing you all yeah. right and uh and he got a real kick out of my uh mowing uh spreadsheet the spreadsheet yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well he knows you're good with that spreadsheet i remember that yeah, <laughs> yeah. so um so what happened in somalia um, yeah, so uh, on October 26, the, the world's last natural infection of smallpox is reported in Somalia. The World Health Organization certified the global eradication of the disease in 1980, making it the only human disease to be eradicated. So just one little note about this. Uh, I don't know if I ever showed it to you. I think I had it hanging at my desk, but... Um, I was in the local paper because I was in a car accident in 1968, I believe. Uh, so you were in the morning paper for something, huh? I was in the morning paper for something, but the the head, the article next to the article that contained me talked about how India was the last stronghold of smallpox. So they were in the midst of trying to eradicate it. So as smallpox was being eradicated, you know, what was the economy looking like here in the United States of America? Yeah, yeah. So it it seems like it's always rough in the 70s. But uh, so unemployment rate was 7.7%. That's not good at all. And the inflation rate was 11%. 21 cents back then had the same buying power as today's dollar. And a cost of a gallon of regular gas was 62 cents, which would be $2.97 today, which would be a pretty good price. So does that match any real-time data you might have? Is there gas in the car? Yes, there's gas in the car. Well, it's, uh, I'm a little lower. All right. Okay. So on the next day, the Sunday, gas was bought in Schenectady. 
which is where Union College is. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was 56.9 cents a gallon. And the Volkswagen bus got 20.03 miles per gallon. Now, going back a couple lines in, in the uh, in the book, it says it was towed on the 19th for $6. Okay. <laughs> and, and then it says new engine shared $164.15. And I did not realize or know that we actually might have had a new engine put in that vehicle back in 1977. You know, the vehicle was, <clears throat> I don't have the miles, it's in the, it's in the book, <laughs> but uh, a $330 engine uh, if it was shared. And, uh, but the, the Dasher, the VW Dasher on the 26th, which would have been a Wednesday, uh, filled up. It was also 56.9 cents, and that was locally here for 26.3 miles per gallon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a little, a little lower, but not, uh, not out of the ballpark. Yep. I, in terms of TV, I decided to go to uh, Sunday, October 30th, 1977. So on a Sunday, we you know you start the, the prime time a little earlier. So on CBS at 7, you had 60 Minutes. And then at 8, you had Rhoda. At 8.30, a, a show called On Our Own. I don't remember that one. I don't remember that. Yep. At 9, you had All in the Family, and it said Archie's Grand Opening. So that's, I guess, when he was opening um, Archie Bunker's Place, The Bar, which didn't they actually change the show to that? Then they changed it to Archie Bunker's place, I think, after uh, uh, Gene Stapleton, Gene Stapleton left. Uh, yeah. was killed off or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and then, but that, you know, because through the early 70s, you know, All in the Family was was a staple for Saturday. I was kind of surprised to see it on a Sunday, and I don't think we were watching it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, at 9.30, you had Alice. And then at 10.30, you had... Uh, Kojak, which the episode was once more from Birdland, and uh, yeah, that, that one had William Wyndham in it. So he, was, oh, William know. Wyndham, we know yeah. him as uh, Jessica <laughs> Fletcher's boyfriend from Murder She Wrote, and uh, Admiral Decker, right? Right, right. Yep, and uh, it was also uh, Andrea from Star Trek. Don't you think I know that? Yeah. Yep, Andrea uh, Markovici was in that as well. I, I do remember that episode. I think that was a decent episode. Yeah, I just saw it last this year sometime. So, yeah, 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 me too. Um, so then over on ABC, starting at 7, you had the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew Mysteries. Yeah, I think this one was a Hardy Boys one, mm-hmm. The Creatures Who Came on Sunday. At 8, you had The Six Million Dollar Man, and the episode is uh, Rollback. <laughs> that rollback? No, rollback. But uh, I thought it was interesting because uh, so the, this was uh, season five, episode seven. It had Robert Loggia, who uh, yeah. we've seen in some other things, but it also had Rick Springfield. And uh, I didn't realize he was acting that early. I mean, I know he was on General Hospital, but I thought that was a few years mm-hmm. later. Um, so this is when Steve Austin is, turns into a roller derby guy. Right, which was big then because I think uh, Charlie's Angels also did that, and I, and I yeah, to tell you the truth, I think the same script was reused for a Bionic Woman. I think she did the same thing uh, also. Well, it's funny you should say that because it's like I swear I can 
picture Jamie Summers like elbowing somebody with the bionic arm. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't remember Steve Austin doing it. Yeah, I, I do. But you know, season five of the six million dollar man is is a waste. So it's it's terrible. <laughs> you know, then there was the Raquel Welch movie, uh, Kansas City Bomber. Remember that was about roller derby a few, few no, years I don't earlier. That. So then at on ABC at nine, you had the movie Thunderbolt and Lightfoot with uh Clint Eastwood and our friend Jeff Bridges. <laughs> I hope he's doing okay and can act again and play his guitar. Yeah. I'd also had George Kennedy, Catherine Bach, Gary Busey, and Vic Tabak, who was uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, on the other channel in Alice. <laughs> yeah. Wow. At the same, at the same time. time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Over on NBC, you had the uh, At Seven uh, Wonderful World of Disney, something called the Halloween Hollow fame at eight there was a tv movie halloween with the new adams family and then at 9 30 so, was... so did the new adams family did it did it still have uh, william shallard's daughter's uh husband uh he's still aston uh george uh, john he aston. played the riddler once john aston was john he aston. in that movie i don't or was it new characters i think it was new characters i don't remember that at all because he was married to Patty Duke for a while. Oh yeah, he was. Anyway, I, I loved him on the Adams Family. He was like, "Oh, everything's great. You know, the house is burning down. I'll have a cigar." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then at nine thirty, there was a show called "The Psychic Phenomena," and exploring the unknown is the title. Whoa. Yeah, I guess they were doing their Halloween thing. So yeah, and yeah. so if you went to the Paris Theater or the Rialto, anything on? Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, on October 19th, looking for Mr. Goodbar, starring Diane Keaton, Richard Gere, and Tuesday Weld. Do remember that movie. Don't think I saw it back then. That was, uh, it was <laughs> not, not a happy film, <laughs> really. But, uh, yeah. I, I, I remember the, the title. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah. And then on... Uh, because Hershey's makes Mr. Goodbar. Yeah. You know, is, isn't that the chocolate with the with the peanuts in it yeah yeah the yellow wrapper the yellow wrapper yeah yeah, yeah. and then uh on november 11th semi-tough with uh burt reynolds joe claver and chris christopherson and well, uh, i hope he can uh play his guitar again and act don't get them mixed up the bricks you dip in the gold and the gold you dip in the red paint <laughs> i just remember that semi semi-tough the trailer for it the slogan was it's about scoring but not on the field <laughs> so as we mentioned before we are live on twitter at 70s weekly so if you want to check us out over there i've been kind of posting some stuff that's in the show notes to make it a little perhaps easier to go look at that you're doing um, a wonderful job with that mark well uh, we're, we're we're trying i'm a social media novice <laughs> to try to make it so we don't get canceled <laughs> anyway so uh now as uh casey would say on with the countdown Everyone knows this. Yeah. So this Wait, is... With Mac. Yeah. Yeah, You Make Loving Fun off their Rumors album. Yeah, this one got to number nine. Um, during the recording of the album, I think we talked about this, the marriage of uh, bassist John McVie and, and keyboardist uh, and co-singer Christine McVie was ending. Christine started seeing the band's lighting technician, Curry Grant, and she wrote this song about the relationship. 
and drummer Mick Fleetwood quit to Q Magazine in 2009. He said, quote, knowing John, he probably thought it was about one of her dogs. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were on our last countdown from, I don't know, 10 weeks ago, which I think was in August. I have that piece of paper someplace with uh, Don't Stop. Yeah. Big record, you know. Yeah. Gigantic. So, I like to use the clap track, this this group here. So this is uh, Do Your Dance Part 1 by Rose Royce, off their album In Full Bloom. They're, of course, best known for their 1976 number one hit, Car Wash. And this one peaked right here at number 39. I don't have much more on this song. They had a few other top 40 hits, including I Want to Get Next to You, that went to number 10 in 76, and Love Don't Live Here Anymore, that went to number 32 in 78. Well, if you're a parrot head, and I've seen Jimmy Buffett a whole bunch of times, and, uh, I got a photograph of our buddy Heavy D getting kissed by somebody that had a show up at Great Woods about 30 years ago on my bulletin board someplace. But changing uh, the attitude, changing the latitudes, this is one of the big eight or whatever they have. You know, Jimmy Buffett will always play this, and uh, it's a nice song. Yeah, yeah, this one, it got uh, just uh, one notch higher to number 37. There's a phrase in it that they edited out of the single version and they replaced it with uh, some bruises and some stitches. But American Top 40 did play the original unedited version only once when it debuted at number 38 on the uh, October 22nd, 1977 show. So the week before this one. So what was it replaced with? But that's what it was replaced with. I wasn't sure if I should say it to keep the show clean. Okay. It, it's if you want, I can. It's uh, in son of a bitches, and and it was replaced with yeah, some bruises and some stitches. <laughs> so the next thing on the countdown was uh, <clears throat> a special song, Neil Sedaka doing "Laughing in the Rain," and there was a little story that Casey talked about how Neil Sedaka was a concert pianist or something is that true ah yeah you know i don't remember and he was yeah go ahead well i think it's in your book because you sent me the picture yeah of what's in the book and he, he was going to play piano over in the soviet union and Krzysztof took a shoe off and says no <laughs> yeah. neil sadaka is is a rock and roller yeah yeah he's no he's good a- He's a dirty capitalist or something He's like a dirty that. Dirty capitalist. Yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> so. Hello, girl. It's been a while. This is not Dave Davis. <laughs> this is Paul Davis. Yeah. This is uh, I Go Crazy. Off his uh, album Singer of Songs in 1977. Paul 
Paul Davis is his real name. Look that one up. But uh, yeah, this one got to number seven, and it was uh, written by him. And um, yeah, Paul Davis enjoyed a long career as a singer-songwriter in pop, country, and soul music from the late 60s through the 80s. This is probably his best-known song, and it kind of blends the three genres. This song had an unusually long run on the uh, top 40, taking almost five months to climb to number seven, where it spent three weeks. And uh, he had a few other top 40 hits over the next few years, including 65 Love Affair, which went to number six, and a number one country hit with You're Still New to Me, and a, uh, that was a duet with Marie Osmond in 1986, uh, before he retired from the music business. Unfortunately, he passed away of a heart attack only at the age of 60 in uh, 2008. Well, this is Dan Seals and Dash Crofts doing My Fair Share. I remember this song. Yeah, um, I think I would change the station. Uh, I would too. So real quick, it was off the one-on-one -on -one movie soundtrack. That movie starred Robbie Benson and Annette O'Toole. And the, uh, the tagline for the movie was, When love stops being a ball and starts being a woman. <laughs> oh my goodness. So this uh, music, the music for the movie was entirely written by Charles Fox with lyrics by Paul Williams and Ooh. Seals and Cross provided the vocals. Um, this well, one Paul got, Williams is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and of course he's the great, great, great grandson of Williams. <laughs> so this one got to number 28. You know, the movie is... Uh, unrealistic though because it's like this college basketball team and i think it's all white guys <laughs> number 35 I'm away. well this is a dennis de young pen song from that yeah. band from chicago otherwise known as sticks like the river as in mythology as casey was talking about yeah and uh i think it gets a little better when when uh i don't know jimmy joe johnson or whatever his name is who's the guitar player uh tommy in, shaw in sticks no it was tommy shaw and the other guy yeah yeah don't know off the top of the head here, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, this is Come Sail Away um, off the album The Grand Illusion. And um, the record cup, the cover, you know, ever see that rubber cup, cup? record um, cover? I, I have, but I'm, I can't picture it right now. Yeah. This is where it gets good. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of conflicting this song because I don't like that intro either, but. Uh, so I, what I read is kind of funny. Uh, this being the 1970s, radio stations played a big role in promoting songs and program directors could often be swayed with gifts of money and drugs. You know, payola, of course, was illegal, but that didn't stop 
six guitarist Tommy Shaw and the band's promo man Jim Cahill from traveling to the many of the stations with bags of cocaine in an effort to get oh, more wow. airplay. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> uh, Cahill explained on the uh, sticks behind the, the music uh, episode that program directors were like penguins since they'd follow you around if you had snow. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So the other guitar player is James J.Y. Young. Ah, okay. And he's been part of the band since the beginning. Yeah. So they, they had one other top 40 single off this album, uh, Fooling Yourself. Parentheses. That's a Tommy the, Shaw song. Yep, the Angry Young Man. And that one got to yeah. number 29. Dennis DeYoung's still with us. He's 75. So, do you think Jerry Brown was at Dodger Stadium when uh, <clears throat> Linda Ronstadt did the? Uh, were they were they dating still then, or was it over? Good question. Um, I know they remained friends because my sister was saying that documentary. She talks about him. Oh yeah, he was just over for Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> or something. But uh, yeah, I remember her being on the front of Time Magazine with him. Don't know what year. Maybe I could find that. But uh, yeah, this is "It's So Easy" by Linda Ronstadt, and this is a cover of a Buddy Holly and the Cricket song from 1958. It was written by Buddy Holly and Norman Petty. This cover went to number five. Um, lots of Fat Albert Rasp in her voice in this one. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we just heard it. Yeah. yeah. And at this point, Linda was really hot and had a, a knack for taking lesser known songs from yesteryear and turning them into hits. Uh, You're No Good is another example of that. And um, yeah, I kind of like the breakdown part of this one too. So it's a good song. Where's my hat? Yeah. That says fog on it. Yeah. This Maybe. is fog hat. Yeah. And, and this, this is a cover by somebody that I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, yeah. I just want to make love to you. This is a live version. By off of a fog hat live. And, uh, this is a cover of a Muddy Waters song that was yeah, released yeah. as a single in 1954. Written There's by, the crowd. Yeah. It was written by Willie Dixon, a Chicago bluesman who played bass for Chess Records uh, house band, and he wrote tunes for the label, often deciding who would record what. And he went on to become an intellectual figure in uh, blues and rock and roll, performing on early hits for Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and writing the blue standards Little Red Rooster, Hoochie Coochie Man, and Spoonful. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So this... Uh, well, if you go to your local club, you know, you'll hear those by the blues band. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, this podcast live version uh, peaked right here at number 33. And uh, it, this version's better than their uh, studio cover of the song on their 1972 debut album and that one only got to number 83 on the charts Falling in love was the last thing I had on my mind 
I think the orchestration and how this song is put together is very well done. Yeah. Yeah, so this is Isn't It Time by The Babies off their album Broken Heart. Casey said this is the highest debut song this week. This one got to number 13. And The Babies were a British rock group fronted by John Waite, which also included Wally Stocker, Tony Brock, and Mike Corby. And these is guys. It, is it John Waite, that John Waite, that would do stuff later that we would maybe remember? I don't believe so. Is there a guy named John Waite? I thought there was. You're not thinking of Tom Waite. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of Tom Waite. Yeah. Or Heavyweight. <laughs> yeah. So these guys had a couple of other top 40 hits with Every Time I Think of You that also got to number 13 in 1978 and Back on My Feet Again that got to number 33 in 79. I think there's crowd noise in this song too, isn't there? Um, yeah, I believe I don't think there is. Good. It's not done live, but I think there's like a like a breakdown. I like this song. Yeah, yeah, this is a this is a decent Moving song. around, <laughs> la 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 la. Because it's daybreak. If you wanna believe that it's daybreak, what a great sing along. <laughs> Yeah, so this is there's a, a coffee shop over the over the bridge in the other town called Daybreak Coffee, and whenever I would go there, I would pump this song. <laughs> yeah. So this, of course, is by our friend Barry Manilow, composed by Manilow and uh, Adrian Anderson. So Casey talked about how at this point Manilow had nine chart records, six were top tens, and three of those were number ones. Mandy, I write the songs and looks like we made it. So it actually said that this single version was recorded live with the female backing group Lady Flash. And the song reached number 23. It was off his album This One For You, so they must have cut a live track into it, I guess. You know, going from Daybreak to this, <laughs> can we go back to Daybreak, please? Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, it's like slamming on the brakes. So, uh, I was just thinking about in the Velvet Underground in Nico. They have a there's a song on that debut record, you know, Lou Reed and the guys and Nico, and and Nico has a a, a line, and I forget what song it is. It's, where she says, what a clown, <laughs> in her German accent. <laughs> what the heck is that song? What a clown. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. Are you a, are you a Velvet Underground guy? Uh, no, but I swear I've heard that. <laughs> so, uh, so this is Send in the Clowns by Judy Collins off her album Judith in 1975. So this song was originally from Stephen Sondheim's uh, 1973 musical, A Little Night Music. This version got to number 19. 
And besides Judy Collins, this has been covered by many artists, including Frank Sinatra and Barbara Streisand, uh, for whom uh, Sondheim added a verse. The Streisand version was on my Farmington Blues II CD compilation. <laughs> and the title refers to a phrase reputedly used in a circus when an unforeseen disaster had occurred. So Sondheim won the Grammy Award for Song of the Year in 1976 for this, and based on the popularity of Collins' performance of Send In the Clowns, that helped him get that Grammy Award. Judy's probably best known for the song Both Sides Now, written by Joni Mitchell that went to number eight in 1968. And she is the Judy in the uh, Crosby, Stills & Nash song, Sweet Judy Blue Eyes, and she's still with us. She's 83 years old. I think it might have been in the song, I'll Be Your Mirror, off of the Velvet Underground and Nico, so. Once in every life, someone comes along. Now, this is Ronnie Millsap, and uh, this is, it was almost like a song, and Casey was talking about how, um, he was going to uh, music school mm -hmm. and it was a music school for the blind was Ronnie Millsap a blind fellow? Yeah, yeah yeah and and how he used to break out into rock and roll music in between playing stuff by Bach Bach and uh, and he finally got kicked out of out of classical music school right well, yeah, yeah, and in fact, he got kicked out after he was jamming to uh, Jerry Lee Lewis's Great Balls of Fire. And I, <laughs> I saw something on the news today that it was like just this thing, and it said, I didn't have the sound on it, it said Jerry Lee Lewis is still alive. So I don't know if oh, there was sure. a rumor that he passed away today or something, but... Uh, well, he ruined his career a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so... Uh, Ronnie Millsap is still with us. He's uh, 79 years old. And this this song was in our previous episode. It was at number 35 uh, from August 27th, 1977. And this was also in our last countdown at number 21. Yeah. Yep. This it, is John Belushi's friend. <laughs> Stephen Bishop, who was playing the guitar on the on the stairs in Animal House. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that before. This one uh, got to number eleven, and this was his first hit and his biggest as a performer. He also had a number twenty-two hit with "Save It for a Rainy Day," which went to number twenty-two also in nineteen seventy-seven, and he he had the song "Separate Lives" uh, that he wrote that uh, went to number one. That wasn't Journey Separate Lives. No, that's Separate Ways. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, number one Journey fan of the podcast. <laughs> okay. All right, number two. <laughs> that's a sad insult. Ha <laughs> ha 
Well, this one was also number two. Or they had number two. Um, this was number two on our last countdown. Of course, this is Andy Gibb. I just want to be your everything. Um, of course, the Bee Gees. And uh, uh, we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago on one of our podcasts when I was in the first grade, my, my uh, first grade teacher was Miss Sweet. And then she turned into Mrs. Gibbs. And we got a question today from a, uh, uh, a listener to the podcast that say, which one of the Bee Gees did Miss Sweet marry? Yeah. <laughs> Very clever. Yeah. <laughs> and we know it wasn't uh, uh, Maurice because he married Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> You know, for a guy that was in traffic later on with the 90s Fleetwood Mac and did Feeling All Right and all this other kind of stuff, to, to get this song in the top 40, kind of a big crossover kind of guy. And he's still around. He's still with us, I think. Um, yeah. And, and this is a, a powerful song. And it's put together well. This is Dave Mason. Yeah, yeah, this is We Just Disagree. This song got to number 12, and it was written by uh, Jim Kruger, a guitarist who joined Dave Mason's band in 1974, and he became Mason's trusted musical partner at the time when he sorely needed the help. Mason, you know, after he left Traffic, he signed a deal with Columbia Records in 1973, and they demanded two albums a year from him. Holy um, moly. Yeah. So, uh, of course, Mason has played and recorded with many uh, notable uh, rock musicians, including Cartney, George Harrison, The Stones, Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton, Michael Jackson, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Fleetwood Mac, as you mentioned, uh, Delaney and Bonnie, Leon Russell, Cass Elliott. One of his best known, as you, best known songs, as you mentioned, is Feeling All Right which he recorded uh, with uh, Traffic in 1968, but of course that became a big hit for Joe Cocker. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2004. He's still with us at age 76. And on December 2nd, 1976, he appeared at the Big Coliseum where the hockey team plays uh, locally here. with Ambrosia and Rory Gallagher. Gallagher. Yeah. Wow. About time, you know, we had Rose Royce, you know, with Do Your Dance at uh, part one at number 39, <clears throat> getting a little funk, a little disco into the countdown after some snoozers yeah and some good stuff but uh we're, we're back on track getting into the late 70s yeah yeah so this is Duzik by brick off their album brick and uh, this, <laughs> this one peaked <laughs> perfect for for halloween yeah i got a rock yeah i got a brick i got five pieces of candy i got a chocolate bar i got a quarter I got a rock. 
So this one peaked at number 18, and Brick was an American band that created a successful merger of funk and jazz in the 70s. Their most popular single was Daz, that went to number three, and they coined their own term for disco jazz, that is Daz. <laughs> so, and I think the, the uh, jazz flute in this one really saved it for me. I was kind of like, yeah, this is okay, but then the flute came in. I was like, yeah, this is cool. What did she do? Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. She did it. What is it? Sure. Do we have to. We, do we have to go to um, uh, President Clinton to find out the definition of it? No, that was is. Is is. Yes. What is the definition of is? <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember that. And then also there was cousin it on the uh, <laughs> Adams family. Adams family. <laughs> so yeah, so she did it by Eric Carmen off of his album Boats Against the Current. This one got one notch higher to number twenty three. This was the biggest hit from his second solo album after the uh, raspberries disbanded and uh it's kind of upbeat for him i don't remember this one but um the beach boys were an influence on the sound of the song and uh beach boy bruce johnston sang backup there's also a guitar solo by andrew gold did you know lonely boy remember that song and also drumming by toto's jeff Bork Porkero. so I can never say poor Caro. Dude, he's your freaking neighbor. I know. I can never say that. I don't know why. I think I knew somebody that had anyway. (laughs) Maybe maybe another neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) Though Michael Damien did a remake of the song in 1981. (laughs) Carmen stated that the Beach Boys 1968 hit Do It Again was the inspiration for this song because of the did it's. And uh, Eric Carmen is still with us. He's 73. I'm going to have to, like, phonetically spell that out in, in my work with a guy named Peter Brown. Yeah, that's right. And I guess it is it is this guy's real name too. So um, yeah, so this, I work with a guy named Peter Brown. Yeah, I'm trying to think I was, you know, I'm losing people's names now too. Yeah. Well, he was in another part of the organization. Really really sharp guy. So this is uh you want to get funky with me they just said it uh by peter brown off of his album a fantasy love affair this one got to number 18 the record sold more than 1 million copies it was his first hit song and the backing vocals were provided by a a group called wildflower chicago radio station wls 
gave the song a lot of airplay and ranked it as the 35th most popular hit in 1977. It reached as high as number three on their survey uh, on October 22nd. This guy had a much bigger hit in 1977 with Dance With Me that went to oh, number sure. eight. Yep. And Peter Brown is still with us. He's 69. The Little River Band. I believe they're from Australia. We've had them on our countdown before. Yeah, There's they just the name of the song. What do you have, Mark? Yeah, so this is yeah, help is on its way. Um, Casey said this is the second of two Australian acts in the countdown. The other being, of course, Andy Gibb. This song got to number 14. It's It peaked at number one on the Australian Kent Music Report singles chart. It also peaked at number 14 on the Australian Billboard Hot 100. And it, it was uh, Australian Record of the Year of the uh, 1977 King of Pop Awards. And also at the... Uh, 1978 Australian Record Awards. It won the top 40 record of the year. So, so before song. we get into the next, yep. Before we get into the next five songs, and there is a 1840 extra stuffed in between it, um, which is uh, Chicago. It was number one a year ago, which was 1976. Casey kept on obsessing over the next five songs are all covers. Yeah. And he kept on saying it. That's the second of five covers in a row. <laughs> yeah. That's the third of five covers in a row. So we are going to start right now. As soon as I hit the, the button, the thingy, five covers in a row. And we won't do the Chicago song because we'll hear from them later. So this is the young lady who sung at game three of uh, the World Series at Dodger Stadium, and she offended people by what she was wearing. This is Linda Ronstadt, and this is Blue Bayou. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, this one got to number three and was originally recorded by Roy Orbison on his uh, legendary 1963 album, In Dreams. And uh, that song um, only got as high as number 29 in the US, uh, despite being a number one song in Ireland and number 10 in Norway. But Linda Ronstadt took uh, her version a lot higher than that. And, you know, went to number three and it became her signature song. And uh, Linda Ronstadt has been called the most successful and certainly the most durable and most gifted woman rock singer of her era. I think um, certainly the money she made would, would make you think so. Well, maybe she could have gotten nicer clothes for the World Series. But the uh, when my uh, father's mother passed away in 1994, 
uh, this song was played during her memorial service, you know, out of a boombox or, or something. And I had no idea that my grandmother liked this song, but it was when I heard this on the countdown, I, I could think of uh, of my Oma. And uh, it's a, a nice, uh, you know, and whenever I hear this on the radio, I, I, I think of her and uh, what a wonderful lady she was. Yeah. You know, that's, it's not a nice thing. Like, like I talked about, um, you know, hearing a song reminds you of something, somebody. It's uh, it's almost like our long distance dedication, right? <laughs> yeah, but that, that's nice. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. In, into the never after. Yeah. Never after. Or... Yeah, with, with uh, you know, perhaps Lulu and uh, <laughs> their Bee Gees husband. <laughs> or Reese. Maurice can uh, talk to them. Mac Davis won't come, but. <laughs> well, this was the Beach Boys' big song years ago. Yeah. And uh, Casey was talking about how Leif Garrett, who was a staple of the National Enquirer and all those uh, tabloids for. For years, I haven't, you know, I don't even know if they print those anymore. I, and I really don't go to the grocery store anymore and see stuff like that. But uh, he was 17 years old. Dude, he's only like, you know, a few years older than us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, actually, I actually read oh, he was No, is he 15? 15 he was 15 years old. Yeah. He was 15, which yeah. is even closer. Yeah. So yeah, this one got to number 20, this version. Um, so uh, it's sort of interesting. The original was credited to Brian Wilson and Chuck Berry for composing it, but apparently it was, um, the song was published by Arc Music, which was Chuck Berry's publisher. And I guess they were forced to give Chuck Berry some writing credits under some agreement yeah that's kind of interesting but anyway yeah leaf garrett you know he had hard times in his post-teen idol uh life but um he's still with us he's age 60 so yeah yeah he's a contemporary so, of ours right? yeah no kidding so um john lennon ran into trouble with uh chuck berry's publishing house and the way he got around it was in his 1972 or three or four record he did a couple Chuck Berry covers, and that's how he he handled it in his in his rock and roll LP. Ah, uh, yeah. Know, but I, I read that somewhere. So. Yeah. This was number twenty-two ten weeks ago from our August. August 27th exploit. I hear crickets. Yeah. You hear crickets? <laughs> yeah, I do. Like rather pronounced here, actually. Yeah. Now that I have headphones on, I can hear the crickets. Yeah. Kind of like when I, you know, ask something at work and I hear crickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so there was the title, Way Into the Music uh, by Johnny Rivers. His real name is John Henry Ramastella, and we, we talked about him a lot in the previous episode. Um, 
big important guy to music in a lot of ways besides being a performer also a record uh, label executive and uh, he's still with us he's 79 years old Our friend Peter Frampton uh, doing his cover of Sign Sealed Delivered. I'm yours off his album. I'm in you. <laughs> I'm in you. 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 So, yeah. <laughs> So Stevie Wonder, of course, had a big hit with this one. It went to number three uh, in 1970. Uh, This cover got up to number 18, right where it is. This version also contains instrumental elements from Stevie Wonder's hit for Once in My Life. And uh, Mick Jagger is featured on the backing vocals of this. Um, But um, I don't know. I I like Stevie's version better. Well... They play this song on the deep tracks, and when I hear it, I stop what I'm doing and I go find the knob and I turn it up. Yeah. And I wish it was longer. All right, I, I I wonder if he ever did this live. Yeah, you know. So this is after you know, he, Frampton did do uh, Frampton Comes Alive too. I wonder if it's uh, on that, but uh, yeah, I. I guess I don't listen to deep tracks enough because I I don't remember ever hearing this. So this is the fifth of five covers in a row. So we're out of, we're getting out of that uh, zone that uh, Casey put us in. And this is Rita Coolidge, and she had uh, number three on our last countdown with uh, "Your Love Has Lifted Me Higher." Great song. And uh, is she related to somebody? Yeah. Did she date Chris Christopherson or Jeff Bridges or is it the, <laughs> um, is it some someone else I'm thinking of? Um, no, she was married to Chris Christopherson and and at this time actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, this is "We're All Alone" off uh, Rita Coolidge's album "Anytime, Anywhere," and uh, Casey said this was a minor hit by Frankie Valli from 1976 and that that version reached uh number 78 so this song was written by boz skaggs who originally recorded oh, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. i i i think it might even be on silk degrees it is on silk degrees but um yeah that it didn't it didn't chart though um right so uh this cover got to number seven yeah she had an, an international hit with this song and uh, other artists to record the song included Bob James, Johnny Mathis, Linda Eder, Engelbert Humperdinck, and Leslie Gore. And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm finding I have a lot of these asides about Gail and I and these little musical <laughs> lyrics we had. But whenever it would come up in the car or in the house where someone had to close the window, <laughs> we'd break into the chorus. 
right there. It's beautiful. Why do I think I'm in like 1975? Hmm. You know, remember how we used to say 74, 75, 76 was stuff like this? Yeah. But here it is. And yeah. you know, it's a nice song. This is Firefall. Uh, just remember, I love you. Yeah. Um, nice song. Yeah. Is yeah. It sap? Yeah. It's a, you know, soft rock, I guess. Um, so yeah, this is just remember I love you off Firefall's uh, album Luna Sea. This one got to number eleven, and it was written by Firefall singer guitarist Rick Roberts, who along with uh, Larry Burnett was the main songwriter in the band. These guys were from Boulder, Colorado. They formed in 1974. Uh, Rick Roberts was a former member of the Flying Burrito Brothers and uh, Jock Bartley, who had been Tommy Boland's replacement in Zephyr, uh, also uh. joined to form this band. And uh, they had five top 40 hits uh, in the 70s with uh, You Are the Woman that went to number nine in 76. Mm -hmm. And then my favorite song of their Strange Way that went to number 11 in 78. Strange Ways. Were these brothers? I don't think any of them married Miss Sweet. <laughs> the Bee Gees, Brothers Gibbs. They had number 28, Edge of the Universe, that I didn't remember um, on our last countdown, but this is a huge Bee Gees song. And uh, here it is. Yeah. So how deep is your love uh, off the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack? Casey went into this kind of long story about how uh, in the 60s, the Bee Gees had to prove they weren't the Beatles when they were getting booked on TV shows and stuff. Um, so the Bee Gees wrote this song at the Chateau de Courville, France, also known as La Honky Chateau, where Elton John recorded three albums in the early 70s. Get back honky tonk. Yeah. So they, the, the place was kind of a mess when they arrived, so they had good reason to focus in the studio because they didn't want to be anywhere else, I guess. And so Barry Gibbs said they went into a room at the Chateau, then Chopin had stayed there. So every time he looked at the piano, he envisioned Chopin playing, and he sat down at the piano and thought of his prelude in E-flat, and I knew Barry could sing in E-flat. And through the stained glass window came a beam of sunlight and Barry sang, I know your eyes in the morning sun. So uh, Yvonne Elliman was originally suited to record this song for the uh, Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, but the uh, BGs did it instead. And uh, so we sang this song as a group at my eighth grade graduation in June of 78. And us 11 and 12 year old boys and girls couldn't hit that high note. <laughs> it is a nice song. Yeah. I think this part is great. 
Yeah. I think it comes near the end of the movie, too, as I recall. Yeah, I never saw the movie. Jeff Bridges wasn't in it. You're as cold as ice. Jeff Bridges wasn't in it. <laughs> this is Foreigner, Cold as Ice. This is number 20, uh, 20 on our last countdown. And uh, that's yeah. all I'm going to say. Yeah, written by Lou Graham and Mick Jones, and Graham and Jones are still with us at ages 72 and 77, respectively. I was barely six years old when I first heard him sing. And somehow I knew from that moment on that it would be a lifetime thing. And I stand in front of a mirror day and night. Hmm. So he kind of sounds like somebody, doesn't he? And I'd repeat every well, not Roddy McDowell. <laughs> no. <laughs> so who is right. this? So this is Ronnie McDowell, um, which is his real name. Um, and this is The King is Gone. And he's doing the uh, Sprechensong. Sprechensong. Or Sprechstimme. Sprechstimme. So this is a tribute to... <laughs> your German is as good as your French, which is as good as your pronouncing Picaro. Yeah, my Italian, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Picaro? <laughs> so this is a tribute to Elvis Presley, who had uh, just passed away on August 16th of 1977. This one went to number 13. This was McDowell's only pop hit, but he had 30 top 40 country hits. Um, wow. Yeah. I don't know. I... I don't know about you, I find this one to be a little bit kind of cashing in as a, opposed to a heartfelt tribute. Uh, well, when, I, when I first heard this, I was saying, is this the first Elvis impersonator? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does sound like him both speaking and singing, but uh, yeah. Um, what but, would Mama say? Yeah. Didn't, didn't Elvis have a, you know, with his mother? Yeah. Yeah. Relationship. Well, everyone has a relationship with their mother. Yes. Yeah. He was close to her, though. So, uh, yeah, uh, Ronnie McDowell is still with us. He's 72 years old. Boy, that's young. Yeah, yeah he was pretty young when he did this. Number 12. Together. <laughs> Did you remember this one? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah? I, I didn't for some reason. So this is uh, Heaven on the Seventh Wait. Floor. Right. It is. <laughs> By uh, Paul Nicholas, whose real name is Paul Oscar Uslink. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. But, uh, you, can't, you can't pronounce that either. <laughs> no, no. This one went to number six, and uh, Casey said, Paul Nicholas thought this would have been even a bigger hit in England if they used the same word for elevator. They used lift instead, lift. and they found the lyric confusing over there in England, don't you know? Um, so, so what and, happened when Aerosmith did Love in an Elevator? Was that, you know, did they not understand that also? Yeah, you know, probably not. Years later? 
And I was wondering, was this song the precursor to that? Did, did Steven Tyler, I got the name right this time, not Steven <laughs> something somewhere else, uh, <laughs> when he wrote this song. Or maybe that was written by Jay Graydon, you know, in, in all the song song uh, uh, experts that Aerosmith got later on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um... Song Doctors, that's what they're called. Yeah. We're counting down the most popular songs in the country from Kodiak to Kokomo, from Hartford to Honolulu. Alright, Mr. Roman Numeral. <laughs> what are we on? Yeah, so this uh, this is Baby What a Big Surprise by Chicago off of Chicago XI. Um, Casey said this one is moving fast at number 11. This is a Chicago power ballad with uh, Peter Cetera singing the lead vocals. Um, Carl Wilson of the Beach Boys and Cetera's brother Tim Cetera provided additional backing vocals on the recording. Chicago XI yielded two more minor singles, um, but uh, maybe what a big surprise was Chicago's last top 10 single before the accidental death of guitarist Terry Kaff on January 23rd, 1978 at the age of 31. I, I was thinking about that when I read it and I said, is that known as the night Chicago died? I don't know. Certainly, I didn't like a lot of the stuff put out beyond that. So, don't know when I've been so blue. So, I got it right with Rita Coolidge with Chris Christopherson. And Crystal Gale is the sister of Loretta Lynn. That's right. Who we just lost on right. October 4th. Uh, she was 90 years old. So Crystal Gale was her younger sister. And this is Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue. This one got to number two. And it was the sequel to I've Cried the Blue Right Out of My Eyes. That song was written by Gail's older sister, Loretta, um, and that was intended for Brenda Lee, but she couldn't sing it because she had blue eyes already. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Lynn recorded uh, it herself, and Gail also did a version of that song, but uh, songwriter Richard Lay was inspired by his dog, who had brown eyes while writing this song. Um, and it was his second number one country hit for Crystal Gale. And uh, he also wrote many other country classics and is in the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame. Crystal Gale is still with us. She's 71, so she was quite a bit younger than her older sister. Now, does she still have, you know, hair going down to her feet? No, but that was remember um, that? yeah, that was one of the things that you know people like to see her on TV because it's like wow, look at that hair. Very attractive lady though.
this was number 38 last time around. This is the summer of the Star Wars. This is the Miko. Miko Morandin or whatever Casey called him. I, I forget. Do you have it written down? Um, yeah, he's Dominico Monardo. Monardo. And, uh, yeah, we talked about him at length in our previous episode, and um, he's still with us. He's 82 years old. So, <clears throat> what did... Uh, uh, what the heck is his name? George Lucas think when the press started calling the uh, strategic defense initiative star wars <laughs> what, what do you what do you think he thought about that i believe he didn't like it as i recall yeah so we have a we have a 70s weekly countdown extra oh. from uh came out in 1988 and uh this is uh a song from a friend of ours ready here we go Frank Zappa, 1988 tour, singing a play about how Star Wars won't work. Frank was a little wrong because it, it, it did end the Cold War, I think. Yeah. Uh, but that's debatable. And uh, this is off of the record, Make a Jazz Noise Here. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I thought that uh, yeah, it's kind of fun because later on he says, Star Wars won't work. It's a piece of ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. You remember that? Well, I do. And I think I remember you sort of singing it at work sometimes. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the context was, but I think. <laughs> Standard work won't work. <laughs> Oh, I got out of breath when you said that. <laughs> All right. So this is our uh, our friend Barry White. And this is, uh, it's Ecstasy When You Lay Down Next to Me, off of Barry White Sings for Someone You Love. So this one got to number four, and it was written by songwriting partners Ekadeo Paris and Nelson Pigford. The pair had parted ways but reunited when Paris came up with the musical idea for this tune. Um, this was Barry White's first top 10 hit since 1974's What Am I Gonna Do With You? So I didn't realize this. So Barry was known as the godfather of bedroom soul. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> as opposed to... Uh, <laughs> Godfather soul, I guess. Um, and uh, yeah, so we lost Barry in 2003, as we've mentioned, only at the age of uh, 58, which I'm on the cusp of. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And uh, what an artist, though. And, and you know what? I think this song done by somebody else would 
probably not be very good at all, but but he brings he brings fairy to it, you know. Absolutely. This is Donna Summer working with, I think, Giorgio Morato. Yes. Did I say that right? Um, I don't know. Or Moroder. Moroder. M O R O D E R. Moroder. Yeah. I think he's still with us. I think he's actually toured the United States this past year. Yeah. Oops. It was a. So um. Yeah, so this is I Feel Love off of Donna Summer's uh, I Remember Yesterday album. This one got to number six. And this song is an electronic music landmark with a track built entirely on the Moog synthesizer. Um, does this remind you a lot of popcorn for some reason, too? That was like sort of when I first heard it again. Thought, but yeah, uh, yeah uh, Giorgio... Uh, Marauder uh, was a leading <laughs> light in the genre, dubbed, and he was dubbed the father of disco and a longtime collaborator with uh, Donna Summer. Yeah, uh, he came up with a, a lot of music for her hits, and uh, his associate uh, Pete Below uh, produced the track with him and wrote the lyrics with Summer, and. Uh, they're responsible for most of her her early disco hits, and uh, he's the founder and of the former Music Land Studios in Munich, recording studio used by many artists, uh, including the Stones, Zeppelin, and Deep Purple. And in the summer of '76, Deep Purple's Roger Glover produced an album recorded there titled "Calling Card," which is the sixth studio album of Rory Gallagher. Rory Gallagher. How many times in junior high school can people say chick a cow, chick a cow, chick a cow now? Chick a cow, chick a cow, chick a cow now, chick a cow. Or house. Yeah. House. There it is. Rick House by the Commodores off their uh, self titled album, The Commodores. This one went one notch higher to number five. I really like the lyrics to this song if you, uh, if you listen to them closely. So I think I told you that you know, my wife Gail had a severe hearing loss and she always thought they were saying, she's a brick, ouch, instead of house. <laughs> <laughs> like you were being hit by a brick. Um, but uh, so the original phrase um, was she's built like a brick I'll paraphrase sugar house <laughs> and that's the reason for the pause with the horn fill between the words brick and house <laughs> so uh, when the group needed another song for the album uh, the guitar and trumpet player William King was sent home to write one he fell asleep trying to think of something and when he woke up there was a pad of paper on his chest with the lyrics written on it Lucky for him, his wife, Shirley Hannah King, was also a songwriter, and she wrote the words while he was sleeping. 
and the lyrics oh, wow. were put to a groove and the band came up with a jam session to complete the song. And this is actually sung by their drummer, Walter Orange, with Lionel Richie playing the saxophone. So, wow. so this, uh, this was a song on the Commodore's Greatest Hits on the LP. I can remember it at, at the house I lived in for six years in the late 80s, early 90s. And as the party got going later in the night, this eventually would come out, get put on the platter, and the and the floors would, would shake. Yeah. So that and <laughs> back in black <laughs> and other things. So before we, great song. Before we get into uh, number five, uh, Casey talked about Ringo Starr and how he had a lot of uh, maladies as a, as a kid and. Uh, it's a very interesting story. You got anything on that? Um, no, no. Just I, I, I remember uh, reading about that though, and um, yeah. kind of interesting that, and you know, you know, Ringo may be the uh, last living Beatle. Who knows? You know, it's just him and Paul now. Well, Paul's dead. <laughs> well, that's right. So, so Ringo is the last living Beatle. I know that uh, Harry James Casey, or whatever his name is, is still alive because I saw him last month. Yeah. And yes. played this song. Yeah. It's so, wonderful. Yeah, this was in our uh, episode 16 as well, where it was uh, number 24. Um, it yep. got to number two. Um, it was kept out of number one by the Miko Star Wars theme. Uh, oh. And uh, of course, this week's number one kept it out as well. And um, yeah, uh, so I didn't realize this. Uh, Harry was born in Upalaka, Florida. Wow. Hopefully, they're doing okay down in Upalaka. Hmm. That's probably near Miami, so not where the hurricane hit uh, earlier this month or late last month. I when that was terrible. Yeah. Terrible for those folks. Great song. Love Casey. Yeah. What are we here for? We're here to party. So this is, yeah, Boogie Nights by Heat Wave. Um, this one got to number two. It was also a repeat from our episode 16 from August 27th, where it was just at number 40. So it's still uh, moving up at this time. And of course, the uh, phrase Boogie Nights became ingrained with the disco era and uh, in the 1997 film with that title, starring Mark Wahlberg with that was set in 1977, uh, the same year that the song came out. Um, but the song had no part in the film. I also found there's a British comedy group called The Baron uh, Knights, and they did a send up of this song called Boozy Nights. I'll put a link <laughs> to that in the show notes. Kind of funny, different words. <laughs> Six, 
This is a repeat also from last time around. It was number 30. <clears throat> and uh, Casey told us who, who wrote this song. And it was someone pseudo-famous or we've known about. What the heck was it? I don't remember. Somebody, yeah. So this is written by uh, Eric Carmen. And, and oh. also he recorded it uh, in 1976. But, uh, yeah, this is, that's rock was, and roll. Uh, number 24 with... Uh, she did it. What did she do? It. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is uh, the song is peaking right here at number three. Nobody does it better. Did this win a Grammy or a Oscar? Did it win an Oscar? Is this from a movie? Uh, it is from a movie, um, and and this is also a, a repeat from our previous episode on uh, August 27th, where it was number 39. It's the theme for the James Bond movie, The Spy Who Loved Me. And um, yeah, you know, I think we talked about what awards it may have won. Uh, I don't have it written down here. But one mm -hmm. thing that always cracked me up about this song is a, a very poor cover version of this song was on a cassette tape my father had brought home from some management seminar he had to attend for the Southern New England Telephone Company. <laughs> I guess they wanted to think that there's, you know, nobody does it better in the company. <laughs> Hopefully they had a pizza party afterwards. Yeah. Well, this is number one, folks. Mm -hmm. And I believe this was the number one song in 1977. And this is Debbie Boone, daughter of Pat Boone. Casey went into all this stuff about how this is the second time that a father-daughter combination got to number one. The other was Frank Sinatra. Was it Tina or the other one? Um... No, I, the daughter's name. I, I think it was Nancy. With, oh, Nancy um, Sinatra. Something Stupid. For... Was that the something song? Like something that. Stupid? Yeah. 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 So, <clears throat> when uh, when you go back into the your, what was the number one song when you were born? Where our listener Nate was born. <laughs> When this was number one. That's right. His yeah. birthday his birthday's next week. When this comes out, happy birthday, Nate. Oh yeah, happy birthday. The young Nate. whippersnapper. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, so this was uh ubiquitous back then, this song. So it was actually from a movie uh, of the same name, but the that movie actually starred uh DD. Didi Kong, who uh, was also in Greece, um, but um, yeah, the the producer of the movie actually had someone else record this song uh, before, but uh, he then had Debbie Boone re-record it, and um, this was really her uh, her only hit. 
but it won the 1977 Grammy for Song of the Year. And uh, Debbie also won that year for Best New Artist. And uh, she married Gabriel Farrar on September 1st, 1979. Uh, He's an ordained priest in the Episcopal Church. And he's a member of the well-known Hollywood family, the son of Jose Farrar and Rosemary Clooney, and the the brother of actors Miguel Farrar and Rafael Farrar, and the nephew of journalist Nick Clooney, and the cousin of actor George Clooney. Wow. And uh, she's still with us. She's 66. And her father, Pat Boone, is still with us as well. He's 88. Well, God bless them all. Yeah. So, uh, wow. Brings me back 45 years, my friend. Yeah. And uh, at this point in time, we talk about a few things. The, uh, the number one record label was RSO. You know, getting into the disco era. And uh, I'm going to agonize you. Can I agonize you, please? Uh, yes. Your agonizer, please. No, Mr. Slug! <laughs> <laughs> yes, good choice. Um, and uh, I- I'm going to trust that you came up uh, with that before. Before we actually oh uh, absolutely I, even yeah. though I did cross it out you, as those of you watching on channel eighteen <laughs> uh, something else because I used that for something else so uh. <laughs> so do you have an agonizer for me my friend yeah well it's funny I I went back and forth between this song and uh, I I I picked the number one song of the week for you. Um, you light up my life. Really? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess maybe because it agonized a lot of people back then. Because it was, it just seemed like it was on the radio forever. But maybe you liked it. I don't know. Did I fail? I think I appreciate it more now than I did when it was being driven into the ground. <laughs> yeah. Because right. when uh, I heard I heard this and I found out our our, <clears throat> our friend Nate was born around that it, it, it kind of lit up my face or lighted it up my life or whatever <laughs> the word is. Because <laughs> you can say haha that's yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alright, yeah, yeah, fair point. I mean I I I agree. I think I appreciate it. And I probably have thankfully hadn't heard it in, in quite a while Oh, I hadn't heard it in, in a long time. Yeah. But there's this, okay? And then for me, the best song of the week, number six. You and I are in sync, my brother. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Play, cue, cue the music. Yeah. Well, it brought back memories of, of living in that house with all the folks and the parties that we had. Yeah. And we would be having our uh, traditional uh, Halloween party uh, on this Friday of, you know, whenever it was back in 1987, 80, no, I, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93. <laughs> and then wow. I grew up. <laughs> 
Sorry, I never invited you to any of those, but they were great parties. So, sure what, 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 what makes this the best for you? I just uh, everything about it. I mean, it's it's put together well. I think you know, for for the disco era, it's a great club song. I love the lyrics. I mean, if you you know go out and read the lyrics because they're hilarious and and just um yeah i mean this this song makes you feel good too (laughs) absolutely and i always thought you know it's kind of sounded different i'm like is that lionel richie yeah it's not it's a drummer i didn't know that yeah yeah that was interesting well we'll go from the best to the worst for me You clown. <laughs> Isn't it rich? I don't know. Yeah. I remember this on the radio. Yeah. To talk about sort of again going from brick house to this kinda kinda takes the air out of the sails, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna stop it and you give me your worst, please. Yeah, I I gave something different and i don't know why it, it kind of graded on me but i really didn't like number 23 do you want to get funky with me I, I i almost feel like it's trying too hard to be funky if that makes sense <laughs> well it's like us trying to be too funny i guess yeah <laughs> yeah we're grading that failing. one too yeah <laughs> All right. Well, you know, <clears throat> I'm, I I can understand that, and and I looked at the uh, <clears throat> at the show notes you sent, and somehow you deleted something. I did. Yeah. I, I actually I meant to text you about that to make sure you didn't forget. Yeah. So I I deleted the guilty pleasure category by so- accident. Law, imperfection, must sterilize. I, I meant to keep it in. So, did you come up with a guilty pleasure in spite of Absolutely. my? Absolutely. In spite of my. I, I used my red pen. I, I and I fixed it up. Yeah, I, I, I went I, and edited the standard work by accident. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I initialed it, and then I got Irwin to sign off on it. Okay. So here we go. Really? Yeah. And I tell you, like I said when we were playing this, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not going to play the, I'm not going to cue it up, you know, or I'm in you. Uh, I think this is a fantastic song. And okay. if I could find a live version of this, and maybe it's on Frampton Comes Alive too, I don't know. Um, this is so good. This is so freaking good. So Maybe I owe it a... So there. Yeah, I mean, maybe I owe it a, a you know quiet listen, and um, I don't think it's bad. I just sort of don't. I, I, I guess, I guess I really like the Stevie Wonder version, so maybe I'm not giving it a fair chance. But yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you have, uh, Mark, for your guilty pleasure as you yes. stamped your name on it? Yeah. So last time. Uh, 
Last time I picked uh, Keep It Coming Love, so I was, I'm not going to pick that again. But uh, I picked a different one that, you know, i got to burn that Disco Sucks card again because uh, I picked number four, Boogie Nights. Heat Wave. Yeah. I just think, um, you know, as you've said on other things, this is a well put together song. Toe Tapper, good, good disco song, I think. It is a good song. And I love that Moog synthesizer, you know, as it, as it rolls around. So, good choice. So, cue up Jed Clampett or Hilligan or Steve <laughs> Miller, because it's time for the story song of the week. Ah, uh, yeah, I um, I don't know, I, I don't know about you. I found this really tough. Uh, well, I have one right now. Okay, number twelve. Together. Okay. The story about being on an elevator. Yeah, I guess so. Or a lift. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I. Uh, it, it seems like this one's probably a lot better than the ones I picked because I, I just couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't come up with uh, much. Well, should we just skip you for this week and? and you, uh, you know, don't cue them up, but I'll tell you what I had. Um, okay. I had number thirty-five. Come sail away. Eh, kind of weak for a story song. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, number 26, we just disagree. Eh, also kind of weak. Mm. And then, and then your favorite number 30, send in the clouds. <laughs> but I, send in I, the clouds. Yeah. But I think this one actually, now that I'm paying attention to the lyrics, you, 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 you can latch onto the, you know, my bumper on this one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. We will, we will make that the official, um, story song of the week. Okay. So. So my most divergent songs, which is kind of a, let me, uh, let me stop this here. So my most divergent songs, and this was way more harder than a story song in my mind, but I had, I had this one here, number 29. Hopefully I cue it up. Once in every life. You know, Ronnie yeah. doing uh, almost like a song. And uh, and I juxtapose that with number thirteen. I was barely six because this is not a song. <laughs> so something is almost like a song, and, and something's not a song. <laughs> okay. That would be a lifetime thing. A song versus a Spreckenstein or whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna record and cut the real pronunciation off of the, off the internet. Put it in here. Okay. Speckstimme. We need that. Yeah, we do. Because our German's not good either. <laughs> no, and I, I'm also going to record someone saying uh, the name of the Toto guys. <laughs> Steve Picaro. I had, uh, for uh, most divergent songs, um, you're not going to like the first one. It's uh, number 14, Cold as Ice. 
and then heat wave or something like that? Uh, uh, no, uh, number one, you light up my life. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. I mean, one's about uh, you know, someone being really cold and dark, if you will. And uh, this one's about <laughs> someone being the light of your life. So, yeah. All right. Well, you know what I got to do? I got to find something to uh, to roll out of here with. Yeah. Right? And I'm going to pick this. Is this a good uh, good thing to end up with? Yeah, it's good enough, I think. Okay. All right. So this is the point where we rate the entire countdown. Um, want me to go first or shall you? Do we want science or feelings? Right. Feelings. <laughs> I don't Spoiler know. alert. That's on next week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, as we randomize everything, so I rated this count on a B plus. Really? And and I did that. Uh, I thought it would be better, but lots of cover songs and you know stuff that were were nice. You know, this is about the time I got a radio. All right, and listening to. 96 ticks, as they called it then, when they went from classical music to pop music. But um, I do like a lot of stuff in this. And, and you know what? I, I could be convinced to push it up, but I think I'm going to stay with a B plus. Wow. Okay. I um, I rated it lower. Um, so my in individual ratings, I had only 16 good songs, 15 neutral, 8 bad, and 1 sap. So that's pretty low. I, I gave it a C-. Um, Whoa! Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some good stuff in here, but there's, you know, a lot of covers, as you said. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, it, it's funny how you talked about in the beginning, like we had just like, you know, it took a while to get anything like that was kind of upbeat and funky. And then, um, yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that's what I had, you know, scientifically hit it pretty hard. So there you go. Science. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't have, uh, we won't have that song in our countdowns at so all. So if but, we if we look back to our previous uh, episodes from this year, um, from the August twenty seventh seventy seven show, uh, I rated that one B plus, and you rated that one a B. Yep. And then going back to the June eleventh. I rated you had that. a B minus and I had a B. Yeah, yeah. So, so I thought. I guess I thought that this one was uh, not as good as those. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I going into it, I thought it was going to be better as well. So your your thought you, you thought you would be better. 
or worse or um i going, better. Yeah. going into it i thought it was going to be a little bit better but i mean you, you know typically we talk about 75 being that kind of the low point and um you know this had i think there were like three or four good disco songs in it but um i i just i think a lot of the stuff was just maybe too too slow for me you know yeah well you know what it's it's neat going back 45 years and and doing this as as we've been doing and <clears throat> spoiler alert you already kind of know where we're going next week because <laughs> i gave it up already <laughs> but uh you know what would uh what would casey say i think casey might say something like this keep that same latitude and keep changing your attitude and keep your podcast machine right where it's tuned we'll see you next time folks all right man take it easy have a good night <laughs>